Pablo for breakfast. Get it when you want with the best bits plus new stuff you haven't heard. Download the listener app now. The new book, Rigged, How Networks of Powerful Mates Rip Off Everyday Australians, is out now. And joining us is co-author Cameron Murray. Uh, Cameron, good morning. Oh, good morning, Pablo. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Now, uh, thanks so much for, for joining us. I wanted to know, because this book originally was released a few years ago, but you've now updated it. What, what motivated you to sort of sink your teeth back in into this one and, and unearth some of these you know things that aren't commonly known to everyday people? Yeah, so the original book was um, an attempt to put out all the lessons I'd learned when I did a PhD in political, fa- or it's in economics, but studying political favoritism. And I thought, look, I, I'd learned a lot about understanding the game. And I don't just want a dozen academics to read it in an academic paper. So mm. Paul Friders and I, who was my PhD supervisor, we just decided let's just publish something uh, and a book. Uh, that was accessible to the average person that had lots of good examples to explain what we'd learnt about political favouritism, we thought was valuable. And then uh, last year, uh, the publishers, Alan and Unwin, stumbled across it and said, this is excellent, but it should be more widely distributed and refreshed because this problem has not gone away. (laughs) It's a very um, timeless uh, book when you write about political favouritism. And so we we agreed to update it, refresh it, include new examples, new numbers and figures um, for a more broader audience. So that's where we are. Well, I just want to read out the first paragraph to the audience because I think it pretty much just slaps you directly in the face. As soon as you read it, it says, Rigged is the story of how Australia became one of the most unequal societies in the Western world, while a generation ago it was one of the most equal. Uh, It's the story of how a group of mates have rigged our corporate and political sectors and managed to rob us, the Australian majority, of over half of our wealth. Is it one of those things where we are, Australia, we're such a blessed country that we just turn our eye away from this and we think the problem's over there, right, in the in the third world countries. None of that stuff's happening in our own backyard. Are we just a bit oblivious to it? Uh, I think the short answer is yes, but I think there's a, a deeper reason why that's the case. And to be clear, we are much better than many countries on what I might call petty corruption or outright Um, corruption, where we're talking about bribing the police, we're talking about politicians appointing themselves and their family members to certain positions. Um, So on those areas, we are quite good, as most, um, you know, high-income countries are. And so I think Australians have, you know, not really perceived uh, a lot of corruption. But where we differ or you know, where many countries struggle is what we call grey corruption in the book. And that's all about the totally legal use of political discretion to favour not your family, not your spouse, but indirectly someone who's in your broader network who then repays you later with another favour. All the while, these political favours cost the outsiders, the average Australian, billions per year. But Strictly speaking, these decisions were totally legal. So that's the grey corruption that's really the focus of the book. And I think what's happened since we first wrote about this in 2017 
is that Australians have really become much more aware of this. I, I see the rise of um, independent candidates in politics and the, um, the exceptionally low vote for the major parties as a sign that people are really seeing these insider deals going on in politics and are a bit sick of both sides. Um, so I, I think that's a, a good positive. Um, but yeah, that's I think why Australians have been Australians have been very relaxed about it is because we don't have to bribe the you know police, we don't have to um, involve ourselves day to day in petty corruption, and where it costs us is those bigger picture behind the scenes kind of mundane bureaucratic and political decisions, um, and that's what we try and highlight in the book. Now, one of the chapters sort of piqued my interest was the mining one, especially here in WA. And the other week we had a, a chat to a fascinating uh, professor as well that spoke about the difference in tax, and he sort of highlighted some European countries and Qatar as well that are just doing so much better when it comes to mining and big energy companies. You sort of pointed this out as well, the amount of money that's just leaving Australia. Yeah, that's right. So mining is, uh, you know, one of those lucky areas where Australia has all this wealth um, just sitting under the ground. But where we differ, as you say, from from Norway is that we've just allowed all that wealth to accumulate to the owners uh, of those minerals or that oil and gas. And whereas Norway and many countries have a a very different system, so... um, we have, for example, a petroleum resources rent tax on offshore petroleum, um, but it's full of loopholes, whereas Norway has a, a massive um, super profits tax on their oil. They also have a public um, oil company, plus they take 30% stake minimum in every private company uh, that operates uh, on their uh, in their oil reserves. So what that means is not only do they raise a lot of taxes when um, the price goes up, if the private companies start dodging the taxes or looking for loopholes, the government still gets thirty percent of the profits back anyway because it's they've brilliant. taken it's this equity stake. It? So it's a great insurance system, and and those types of policies uh, are not even in the in the uh, discussion in Australia at the moment. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's very important to look elsewhere, see what works, and think, why don't we have that here? And that's a, the approach in the book is, is, why don't we have the world's best practice and whose interest is it to stop us getting there? Now, I know towards the end of the book, uh, you, you brought up covid as well, and that was you know, a pretty fascinating uh, read, I thought, as well, about you know, the ability to, for us just to, to print money. And, and now we're kind of seeing the knock-on effect of that, right, with inflation and, and things all going up. Uh, was, that, was that an interesting thing to sort of examine as well? Yeah, so I, I thought it was quite interesting. Um, one of the themes of the book is, Things go in cycles, you know. Uh, Things get worse before they get better and it takes a crisis to enact real positive change. I think the COVID experience, unfortunately, um, showed us that in a crisis also, insiders can find a way to get the handouts, to get the money uh, that is being given out in a hurry or in a panic. And that's what happened, in my view, during covid um, we we spent uh, billions on uh, quarantine camps, which are now all empty, and we're all having political debates about that. In Queensland, for example, there's a secret contract with a local family, the Wagners, 
to build one and you know none of the details of that contract got out until just the last couple of months um, so now the country's full of quarantine camps that are empty and we spent billions all the subsidies um, for businesses that occurred we've seen Andrew Lee the, the Labor uh, MP trying to claw back some of those giveaways um, the job seeker and job keeper giveaways so you know it was really a feast for many insiders uh, when that checkbook was brought out by the government in in a panic um, during COVID. And it's a bit unfortunate that it went that way rather than, um, you know, uh, something that's more in the broader interest of the people. Now, please give us some hope. Is there hope out there? Yeah, look, uh, you know, it, it's one of those topics where when you get into the details, you, you just shake your head and it, it becomes a little bit overwhelming. But I think... The reality is that um, every human society has these um, games going on, these political games. Uh, Australia has done quite well when we think about the long arc of history. And I think what we've seen recently with people becoming more aware of the major parties and their uh, various uh, business and union uh, interests, uh, the the rejection of the majors I, I see is a very positive sign for uh, Australia because people are waking up and they realise we want some more fundamental change. So I think in the long arc of history, things will get better. Uh, We just happen to be in one of these little cycles at the moment. And we can see that in the data, Transparency International Corruption Perceptions Index. Australia's plummeted Hmm. in the last um, five or ten years. so, but but you know, in the in the long arc, I, I'm very hopeful that that we'll bounce back and people will start organising, as we've seen with the independents and minor parties, and and that's how we'll get some change. Yeah, and I think the key, the first thing is really awareness, right? As we sort of said at the the start of this interview, people kind of maybe just aren't quite as aware of it as they probably should be. Uh, the book is out now, yeah. so if you want you want to dig into it, rigged our networks of powerful mates rip off everyday Australians. It is out now. Fascinating read, uh, Dr. Cameron Murray. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for having me. It's the podcast for Caratha, the Pablo for Breakfast podcast, streaming now on the Listener app.